I just opened my iPad to get ready for the service and Heather had just sent us this. I just blew it up, so I need a camera to get front and center. Uh, we are here today because I love Mother's Day and I have a word from the Lord for you. But our oldest and her husband and Miss Lucy, Miss Lucy's getting dedicated this morning in Greensboro. They were gonna do it, of course, last year and then COVID hit, so uh, we're watching it on video a little bit later. And then in one month and 28 days, they'll be moving here, so, um, but we're not counting down. Actually, 17 hours, 48 minutes, and 25 seconds. But they just sent us this because we had not seen her little dress yet, so get a tight shot. Can y'all get a tight shot of that? My girl, oh, superstar. So um, she's a cutie. I thought about watching the video before I started preaching, but y'all don't wanna just sit there, do you? So let's go ahead and take our Bibles and head to 1 Kings chapter three. 1 Kings three. Next week, we start a brand new journey through the entire book of 1 John. Blessed assurance. It'll be about light, love, and life with Christ. So that's gonna be a, a really great book to walk through with the Apostle John. Please remember also uh, that these pledge cards in the seats in front of you will be doing a special march down next week for everybody that's a member of Grace or regular attender. And even if you don't feel led to give, don't put your names on these, by the way, but even if you don't feel led to give, please pray for the, for the work that we're doing. 50% debt reduction, 50% capital improvement. And uh, so just check that box and then you'll have something to bring to the altar as we pray over those next week. We do have a time change next week for our service, but it won't affect you guys. If you're used to coming to this hour, stay in this hour if you'd like. Um, our services are very, very equal right now. So I had asked you a while back to consider going to the early. The early service is about as large as the second now. So you don't need to change if you like this hour. We are going to 9 a.m. and 10.30. That'll help our Grace Group ministry out as well. And so uh, just to let you know kind of what's coming, I am back in Digging Deeper this week on Lutherans. And so if you want to learn about that, we've just talked about Catholicism and Orthodox and we'll be at Lutheranism. So come this Wednesday at 6.30. So I, I've been fascinated by this passage in 1 Kings 3 for a long, long time. It's an incredible chapter about the wisdom of Solomon. You know, he went before the Lord. God said, ask what you will. He didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for wealth. But he just wanted to rule the people of God wisely. You'll remember that the kings were Saul, and then I mistakenly said his son in the last service, but his successor, not his son, but Saul, his successor, David, and then David's son, Solomon, all right? And so Solomon started really well. He asked God for wisdom, and God said, Solomon, because you didn't ask for long life or money, I'm going to give you all of it. I'm going to make you the wisest man that's ever lived. I'm going to give you the wealth. I'm going to give you all of these other things. Solomon would take a wrong turn later in his life, but this chapter is super significant, and there's a really fascinating story about two prostitutes. Now, I asked the first service and nobody raised their hand. Have any of you heard a Mother's Day message about these two prostitutes before? Just out of curiosity. Could this be a first? Okay, I, I really wanted to search the scripture and, and several years ago I began to look at all of the mothers in the Bible. And you reach these two gals and it is a weird story. But it so highlights the wisdom God had put in Solomon's heart. And he got to that wisdom by getting down to the fact of a mother's 
marvelous love. Now, you just sang how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be marvelous. It means superb, excellent, awe-inspiring, such as to cause wonder or admiration or astonishment. The love of God, and in many cases, if not most, the love of a mother is a marvelous thing to behold. You ladies are really God's second greatest gift to us behind only Jesus Christ himself. You are an incredible blessing to us. And so in today's text, we're going to see a snapshot of a mother's marvelous love. Now, I know you just got settled into those ridiculously comfortable pews that we have here at Grace, but I'm going to ask you to stand again as we honor the reading of God's word. And if you'll give generously to freedom for the future, you won't have to sit in those pews much longer. Okay, here we go. 1 Kings 3, picking up verse 16. Now two women who were harlots or prostitutes came to the king, that's Solomon, and they stood before him. And one woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth, and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept. And she laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no. But the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. So the king said, The one said, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. The other one says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. And the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other one said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Let's pray. Lord, this is an unusual account, an interesting narrative, but one that not only highlights the wisdom of Solomon, but the heart of a true mother. God, I'm thankful today for your wisdom, and I'm thankful today for the gift of our moms. Bless them, O God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and be seated. So let let me give you some some truths that pop out in the text, and I, I, I know that the primary thrust of the narrative is to highlight the wisdom of Solomon, but just because that would be the primary thrust doesn't mean there aren't things that we can't learn and grow from in the details of the narrative. Details are always there for a reason. If every word's inspired by God, then they're put there specifically for us to learn and grow. The first thing I want you to see is this. Don't throw anything at me yet, ladies. Mothers are not perfect. (laughs) He said, what? This is Mother's Day. I have the perfect mom. No, you don't. And you know it and she knows it. 
But that's not an unloving thing to say. In fact, it shouldn't be a discouraging truth at all. I want it to be an encouraging word to all of you ladies here today because sometimes I think we set up unrealistic expectations for our mothers. I know they tend to have six hands and eight sets of eyes and four sets of legs and they can do much more than the average human being, but they're still not perfect. Let me give you a quick synopsis of the story again. If you've never heard it before, just to get it in your head, this is from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. Two prostitutes living in the same house each had baby boys three days apart. One of the baby boys died during the night, and his mother exchanged the dead child for the living child. In the morning, when the mother discovered that the dead son was not hers, the guilty mother would not admit her wrongdoing. Unable to settle their dispute, they appeared before King Solomon, each one claiming that the living infant was hers. Now, what is the detail that we notice about these two moms right off the bat? Well, in the first word about this story, it calls them harlots. Now, two women who were harlots came to the king. Two prostitutes. How were these babies likely conceived? On the job. Where were the fathers of the children? Well, no one was living in the house according to the narrative. No one was there except these two ladies. That's why we have no other witnesses to account for which child belongs to whom. So, the men may not have even known that they had sons. But the point of the passage is not to speak about the moral issues surrounding prostitution. Obviously, harlotry is something that doesn't bring glory to God. But as the Holy Spirit inspired the writer here, it's a clear detail in the text for a reason. It doesn't say one was a harlot and the other was great. It says they both lived this life. So there's no one perfect, no perfect mom, no one's ever had one, she's never been born, she's never existed. Now, I believe the ladies in my life, my mom and my sweet Cindy, are about as close as you can get to what I'd call wonder women. I think they're about as close as you can get, but the reality is when we put too much pressure on mom, we make her feel as though she's not living up to what we've set as unrealistic expectations. And Mother's Day can be a difficult time. It can bring back memories of a wonderful mom who's dearly missed because she's passed on. It can bring back memories of a mom who may have been difficult or maybe still is. Let me repeat the point. Mothers are not perfect. Maybe that'll take some pressure off you ladies here today. If you don't think you're meeting your own expectations of motherhood, maybe you have a child that's kind of gone off the rails and you think, what have I done? Let me encourage you today. Quit being so hard on yourself and remember that we all mess up, we all make mistakes, and sometimes, especially when our kids are older and grown, remember the Bible says what they do is on them. Each one will stand before the Lord and give an account. So don't worry about being perfect. Problems will come. Maybe problems with your children, problems with your husband, problems with family members, coworkers, the li- maybe your mother-in-law. I've got a list of jokes. I'm going to skip every one of them. Whatever that looks like for you. In our story, we find one mom who is cruel and selfish and heartless. During the night she had laid on her newborn son, he died. She replaces the dead child with the living child, thinking she'd get away with it. And imagine how cruel and selfish, just how twisted that really is. Of course, the other mother would later demonstrate an incredible, a marvelous love, but we'll return to that. Let me give you this truth that we see in the text. Mothers often know their children best. Many of you ladies would say, sure, you're right. Other than God himself, Most of the time, mamas know best when it comes to their own children. 
You know, I remember Cindy just holding our children, all four, our three girls and our son, just holding them and for hours just looking at them. There would be times when I'd want to say, hey, baby, lay, lay them down and let's go to bed, but she'd just want to look at them. You know, they come out and you start counting their fingers and toes and you notice all of these details and you know how we lie and we say, oh, he's got your nose and she's got your chin and she's got, yeah, we lie. You can't tell in a three-day-old. Come on now, be real. They're all kind of gross and ugly. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, they're not. Most of them are. But look, here's the thing. You just look at that child. You know that child. So you're thinking, why would this woman think she could pull a fast one on her coworker? Why does she think that she can get away with this? That's a major problem, right? No kinds of DNA testing back then. So what do they do? Well, the Bible says in verse 16, they go before the king. That's incredible. Just pause on that one for a second. One Bible scholar wrote, the fact that two such women had access to, access to the king's court shows that he was really open to all. So that's another truth I see, that when you have a problem, folks, you have an audience with the king. I wrote it like this. Every Christian has access to the king. Mamas and daddies, you don't have to go through a bunch of layers and hoops. You have access to the one who can make the decision. No matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, we all Christians have access to the throne of one who is greater than Solomon. Jesus said of himself, Matthew 12, 42, indeed, one who is greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is saying, come, I will be your advocate. I am not only the attorney for your soul, I am the judge. I am the jury. I am all of it. I am king of kings and lord of lords. So moms and dads and anybody, you can take your problem straight to the king. Now, why did Solomon, the high king over God's people, even take the time to worry with two harlots? Well, it says at the end of verse 28, that the people saw the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. God had gifted him with this great wisdom. 1 John 2, 1 says this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If you're a Christian today, you have access to the king of kings. You have access to take whatever you're dealing with before the great high judge of all the world. Now, I was going to try to illustrate this point about mamas not being perfect and all of that, which we know deep down. And I know our mamas might be real close. But I was going to illustrate it with a story maybe about my own mother. But then I realized mama watches and um, I love you, mama, and ain't going to happen, okay? I love you. And I'm glad you got the flowers, Okay. Then I thought, I'm going to give you a story maybe about my sweet Cindy, if she had ever messed up. And I, not only could I not remember one, but I'm going home with her today. So we're going to leave that off the table. So I'll give you my own story of a time when I was trying to be helpful and I wasn't. So I didn't used to coach Bobby's uh, t-ball and little league teams, but I would always try to be an assistant and try to help out. A lot of times I'd play third base coach during the games one day when he and his buddies were, I'm not sure, seven, eight, they were still very small, little leaguers, not t-ball, maybe coach pitch or just the first level of kid pitch. Um, we had a little fellow on the team. He was the smallest kid on the team, great little athlete, but he was very, very small, and his daddy was the head coach. Well, he got a great hit. 
And when you're seeing kids at that age, particularly your little outfielders, where the ball goes, they all just run toward it together. It's like a little herd of cats, right? They're just all running together. And so they're running, and here he goes. Man, he's around first, and he's coming in hot to second. And so he is rounding second, and I'm giving him the go-ahead. The ball's still way out there, and you know how these kids throw. You know, they're not, not great at the moment. And so he's coming, he's coming, and I'm starting to wave him on. Man, I'm excited because this will be a home run for this kid. And I mean, we were all on the edge of, I was standing, but they were on the edge of their seats. And so I'm kind of creeping out of the third base coachman's box. And I'm getting closer to the bag. And I'm excited. And this little guy is running and he's running. And I want him to go home. And so I'm running my arm around. And then I just happened, I thought, to lightly touch him on the back. But I think I got a little more excited than that. And I pushed the kid. So he goes stumbling and he goes face first into the dirt. Don't feel sorry for him. He's grown. He got over it, I think. He got up and the worst part was, well, they gave him the home run, number one, because I made the mistake and it wasn't that competitive at that level. But number two, the worst part was when he pulled his batter's helmet off and the dust and sand ran down. And in the uh, dustiness, you could see the tear tracks. I felt bad about it already. Leave me alone. Well, of course, being the local pastor there in the town, uh, man, I heard about it from every angle. So we went on with the, I felt, I really did feel bad. And he cried for a bit and then he got over it because big boys do. And Bobby got a great hit later in the game. I thought I had learned my lesson. They kept telling me to stay in my box, stay in my third baseman's coach box. But I got excited because now it's my own son, right? So he's running around first, second. He comes to third and here I go again and I tapped him too. Now he was a little bit bigger. He stayed on his feet to the glory of God. He stayed on his feet. And really, as I reflect back on that day and what happened, I remembered the moral of the story was if you've got to push a kid into the dirt, make sure it's not your own. Oh, no, that's not, the, that's not the moral. That's not the moral of the story. No, the moral of the story is we all make mistakes, and sometimes even trying to be a good parent, we push too hard. And the reality is I know I've done that with my kids. And I know that sometimes I've made mistakes, and, and so... To take the pressure off, ladies, we know that sometimes we all do. And the text today is not trying to teach us so much about the rightness or wrongness of prostitution. It's trying to reveal the wisdom of a king through the heart of a mother. I mean, these gals are prostitutes. It doesn't even comment on that, nor does it comment on the wretched behavior of stealing a baby and then lying to the king. This other gal may have lost her head. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But all of those things are wrong. But what we see in the midst of all of that wickedness and all of those grievous errors, we actually see the picture of amazing grace and marvelous love and incredible wisdom and ultimate justice for the real mom. Because God had given Solomon the correct application of knowledge. That's wisdom. The biblically correct application of knowledge. And so mamas, I would say to you, you have a king who will always care for you. It's no such thing as stress-free motherhood, no such thing as stress-free moms, but God is there, and he is wiser than Solomon, and he will give you wisdom if you need it for your child, no matter their age. James 1.5 promises, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
Sometimes we don't hear pastors mentioning what I'm about to mention on Mother's Day, but I just want to say I acknowledge today that for some of you, this is not a precious moment. This is a difficult time. Maybe you want to be a mother, but for some reason, God has not given you that opportunity yet and that privilege. Perhaps some of you have not had the best mom in the world. Some of you have a mother who's no longer with us. Some of you mothers today, your hearts are aching because you've lost a spouse or even a child to death. Things feel unnatural when they go before you. Some of you mothers feel the pain this morning of a wayward child. Some of you haven't communicated with a son or daughter in a very long time. And some of you have felt for many years as though you've been flying solo, trying to do all of the burden of raising your kids or keep them in the faith all on your own. I can't explain because I don't understand what it's like to walk in your shoes. I can't empathize with that point, but what I can say in years of pastoring, counseling, and loving people and praying through the challenges is this. You have a king who will listen to you who will hear your heart, <clears throat> who will offer his wisdom, who will give you his ear and give you all that you need because he's always good, he's always just, he's always right. Take the pressure off. Mothers are not perfect. Neither are fathers, right, guys? But the second truth we see is this. Mothers often make tremendous sacrifices. Mothers often make tremendous sacrifices, 24 and following. They present their case to the king, and the king said, bring me a sword. They brought a sword before the king. Mm. The king said, divide the living child in two. Give half to the one and half to the other. Well, Solomon couldn't say, bring me a blood test. Bring me a DNA kit. Let's call up Ancestry.com. Well, you know, again, newborns, y'all think they look a lot like mom or dad or whatever. You can think that if you want. I think most of them, at least in three and four days of life, they just look like a newborn, right? Other than Lucy, she was perfect. But all the other ones, they just look like a newborn. So we make things up, you know. We, we say these kinds of things. But if you were outside of the family, if you're the king, how are you going to tell? There's a very good chance both had dark hair. <laughs> There's a very good chance that both had olive-colored skin. These are, in fact, in the kingdom of Israel, and so there's a very good chance that these babies look a lot alike. And is Solomon really going to cut the living baby in half? Well, now, guys, I don't think so. But he had to get to the truth. I wrote it like this. The wise king know that to get to the heart of the matter, he had to, yeah, to get to the heart of the matter, he had to get to the heart of the mother. Think about that. To get down to it, we got to get in truth. I know the world doesn't care so much about truth right now. But a wise man cares about truth. And he said, to get to the truth, I got to get to your heart. And if you're going to get to the heart of the matter, you got to get to the heart of the Father. you got to see what God says. But notice how the real mother responds. Verse 26. They were going to divide the boy in half, and the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. That's the New King James. Listen to the New English translation. Her motherly instincts were aroused. Listen to the Living Bible. 
The one who was real mother of the child loved him very much and cried out, Oh, no, sir, give her the child. Don't kill him. The New American Standard says she was deeply stirred over her son. And then my favorite translation is the King James Version that actually says this, For her bowels yearned upon her son. What in the world is that? Well, literally, the Hebrew language does mean her bowel. It means she had a gut-wrenching decision to make. It actually indicates that her bowels were aflame. I know, right before lunch, praise God. Her bowels were on fire. She had this, you've had knots in your stomach. You've had gut-wrenching decisions, probably not like this, but you've had them. And so she was all knotted up. Now, I'm going to say something right now that's going to cause you to perk your ears up. You ready? I believe that mothers have a right to choose. Don't throw anything yet. What are you saying, pastor? Are you saying now you've moved from pro-life to pro-choice? No, listen carefully. If a woman or a girl finds herself pregnant, particularly in an unwanted pregnancy, I'm not talking about the anomalies. Please do not make the rule based on the outliers. I'm talking about just she makes a mistake, the boy makes a mistake, they're not ready, they're, they don't feel like they can handle it. I believe in a mother's right to choose. She can choose to trust the Lord, to keep that child, to do the best with God's help to raise that child, and hopefully the man becomes involved, the father, or she can choose to give that child up to a family that will raise that child. Did you understand the choices? Those are her choices. I do not believe a mother has the right to choose to kill her child. Now, you can disagree if you want. If you're going to disagree, you're going to disagree with the Lord, and so you'll have to take that up with him. One of the most loving things a mother can do is the willingness to give up her child Think about this picture for a moment. Now, maybe you've never seen this in the story. A prostitute. She's already starting out way down here. But she says, I love that little fellow so much. I'd rather give him to that cruel, selfish, heartless, lying woman than to see him die. Now, what I'm about to say is hard to say. And I've done this long enough to know that in a room this size, and particularly with the thousands of you that tune in now and later, there's a woman here under the sound of my voice that's made that decision to end that life. There are men out here that have caused a woman to make that decision to end a life. Let me say, number one, that if you'll take that before the Lord, confess and repent, God will forgive you. Just like Jesus and the woman in adultery, I'm not here to condemn you. Neither does our Lord, so long as you confess it for what it is, it is sin. And to sugarcoat the idea and call it a choice is wrong. It is murder and it is sin. You say, Pastor, how could God ever forgive me for something like this? Solomon's daddy was David, a murderer and yet a man after God's own heart. You ever heard of a fellow named Paul? And I could give you a multitude of other examples. The point is this, sweet lady, 
dear man, confess and repent and then hear me. Some of you have a thousand times. Trust that God has wiped it clean as the new fallen snow. Trust that though your sin be as crimson or as white as the newest of wool, trust that you have a king who is able to forgive, to move on, and you must too. But do not give me the narrative that a woman has the right to choose because it's her body. It is God's body given as a gift to you and you have no right to choose what happens to another person in you or out of you. And I say in love, choose life. Always, always, always choose life. The harlot of the living child is giving us one of the most vivid demonstrations of love you're going to find in the pages of Scripture. Think about what she's saying. The true mother finds herself willing to suffer more with separation than the loss of the child's life, to lose her child in order to let him live. She's yearning with compassion for this newborn. Her insides are on fire. She'll do anything to protect him, even giving him to a conniving, lying, hurtful woman. But I drew this conclusion from that text. The willingness to give up a child is an inspiring example of marvelous love. Some of you have done that as well. And I say thank you for giving us a picture of the gospel. Foster care and adoption, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, ladies, is a gift to you today. Foster care and adoptive ministry is one of the greatest pictures of the gospel that we have in our time. If you gave me foster care, adoption, and marriage, I can preach the gospel a thousand ways, left, right, up, and down. Because you see, this willingness to give, though Solomon would rule rightly here, there's a willingness to give, as best we can tell, her only son. We don't know. We don't know, but her only son. What a picture. A willingness to give your only son. Reminds me of another picture. Let these words ring in your heart fresh today. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, have everlasting life. In giving Jesus the Son, did God the Father know that approximately 33 and a half years later they'd be driving large Roman spikes through his hands and feet? Did God the Father know that they would take a crown of thorns and press it into his brow? Did God the Father know that they would rip the flesh from his back all the way to the bone? Did God the Father know how much shame and pain and agony? And did Jesus the Son, who is co-eternal with the Father, did he know? Sure he did. You know he did. He is the sovereign God. So in all of that, my friends, what I'm saying is the gospel is this. God gave up his son for you. God gave up his son for me. You see, King Solomon got to the heart of the matter when he got to the heart of the mother. And you can get to the heart of the matter when you get to the heart of the father. Everyone in this room, everyone out there listening, you are a sinner separated from God. 
The most loving thing I can say to you today is that we can't work our way into a right relationship, but God sent Jesus. Jesus willingly came. Christ gave his life so that you can live. He was willing to endure the shame and the separation for the glory that would follow. So the king answered and said in 27 and following, give the first woman the living child. By no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king rendered and they feared the king. That doesn't mean they, they shirked back in the corner. It means they had an awe of him, a reverence in, in fact. They saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now remember, Solomon's no perfect king. I mean, he made a ton of mistakes later. And these are certainly not perfect mothers, even the one with the compassionate heart. Not a perfect lady, but friend, I want to remind you that we have a perfect God with perfect wisdom and perfect justice. And so moms and dads and grandparents and others, remember you can go to the King of Kings today. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, Jesus Christ our Savior. For some of you, the greatest Mother's Day gift you can give today is your heart to Jesus Christ. If your mother was a believer and she's no longer with us, then I would say to you in all love, the only way to be reunited with your godly mama is to be a Christ follower. You can't get there any other way. But if your mama's alive today, I'd about say that there's no greater gift she would want than to know that you are part of the family of God. So nail it down and get it right. What have we learned? Mothers are not perfect, but also mothers often make tremendous sacrifices. I came across a video a while back. I think it was cute. I love the little girl's accent, and I think it's so perfect for her age. So I want you to watch this, moms. And then as we come to the close here today, we have a gift in your honor. Watch. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you for my beautiful daughter. Thank you for my beautiful mummy. Watch over her as she sleeps tonight. Don't let her have any sad or bad dreams. Keep her from harm, sickness and pain. Make daddy keep loving her. Help me to teach her to love learning. Please let mummy read me lots of books tomorrow. To be honest. And don't let her find the bracelet that I broke. And to be nice to her brother. And if she does find it, make her think that it was my brother that broke it. Help her to think of others. Please make my brother feel better and not be sick anymore. Before she thinks of herself. Because I'm getting sick of staying home and not going to the park. In your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. P.S. Don't let her find the chocolate wrappers either. (laughs) And God, let her have a really happy Mother's Day. That sounds about right, doesn't it, ladies? You know, through the years, I've seen my own mother and my wonderful wife make tremendous sacrifices. Our family's been given a lot of blessings from the hand of God, but our family, like your family and all families, has faced some real challenges. One thing I'm certain of, though, is that we would not have done well and made it through those storms without the super glue of our super moms. They've been the ones that have held things together. 
So I thank the Lord today for a strong and loving mother and also for faithful grandmothers who poured into our moms, who have poured into us. And I thank God for truly, I believe, the greatest wife and mother that a man could have in my sweetheart. So if your mama's still alive today, you need to tell them and show them how much you love and appreciate them. And if they've gone on to be with Jesus today, then you need to thank God for that precious gift of your mom. For those of you that are hurting, for those of you that maybe I didn't even mention what you've been going through, I want you to know that you've got a God who can bring hope and healing into the darkest corner. You've got a God who can give you blessed assurance. Take the word of God. Be touched by the spirit of God. Believe in the son of God. And know that he loves you today, no matter where you are, no matter what's been done. There's a lot we can learn from a mother's marvelous love. Stand with me this morning. I'm just going to open the altar today as Melissa plays this great old song. And if you just want to come and lay something before the Lord, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer that, God, I need your, your help with this or with that. Maybe a mama wants to come and pray. Maybe you're a son or a husband and you just want to come with your mama. We're going to have pastors on either side if you need to speak to someone. We'll have lady counselors as well. But if you just want to come and pray by yourself or with your family. For some of you, this is the first time maybe your family's been together in a while, especially after the past year we've had. Maybe you want to come as a family and thank God for that gift today. Whatever the need, we just hold it a few minutes and you can just come and lay it before the Lord. But if you need to trust Christ today, men and women are here ready to talk to you and Cindy and I will be right over here after the service. We've been having a lot of decisions made as the invitation continues after the service. Whatever the need, just take a few moments and give it to the Lord. Father, we love you, we trust you. We're so grateful today. The gift of our moms, and their sacrifice. And we see that the gift of Jesus and his sacrifice is the greatest picture of love the world has ever known. And so we're grateful. And we respond to you now for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen. You come, the altar's open.